Welcome everybody to the Authentic as Fog podcast. My name is Sun. This in this podcast, I work with members of our community to kind of coach them through marketing and storytelling and answer any kind of questions. Today we have Marwa, my friend Marwa. Hi Marwa. Hi Sun. How are you doing? So good to see you. Let's good to see you too. Let's start with your intro. Tell us where you're from, what you do, and we'll go from there. Okay, I'm from Egypt, and I work as a dentist. In addition, I am a pronunciation and fluency coach. And do you have? So you're a dentist. That's your day job, and then you also work on your own. Your own business is. Like yes, so I teach it. Yes, I teach at college for dental students, and um, so my regular day would be in the morning. I would go give some lectures, supervise some clinics. On the afternoon, I prepare the lunch, <laughs> and then in the evening, I work on my business. Okay, so you're also a mom. <laughs> Just so, I'm a mom for three children. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's get started. What's uh? Do you have a question? Do you have? Is there anything you want to work through today? Uh, well, I just like the the first thing that I really wanted to share is that I had a podcast this morning with um. So I created this course about fluency for for one of the um. Uh, very well-known platforms here in the Middle East, something like Udemy or Domestica, but it's in Arabic. And during the podcast, like on my way there, I was like rehearsing in my head what I'm gonna say. And then I said, "Oh no! Why would I just reframe it in a story?" And um, and I know that in Night Owl, we always, like members in the community, always ask, how can we link stories to business? And I always had this question in my head. And today it came naturally. <laughs> like I was thinking of something and how to deliver it or how to um, like make the message clear and then I started to remember a story and I found a link. So it was amazing. And it didn't just happen like once. I think I, I said three stories in 20 minutes, which for, which for me is really good <laughs> because it's amazing. So um, this is just something that I was really excited to share because I was just waiting for this moment to happen mm-hmm, where I would mm-hmm. be able to link stories. You were like... <coughs> You were just like having faith that it's going to happen, like because I've been telling everybody. So yeah, I, I just to give people context, what I've been saying at Night Owl is just practice connecting the dots, telling stories and practicing connecting the dots from here to this story to this story. And what's going to happen is naturally, you're going to be able to connect it to your business and you're going to be able to. And the way I do it usually is like whenever I'm teaching something, I'll teach something. Mm-hmm. And I say, for example, and then I come up with some sort of a story or something that I connected to. And I'm assuming that's the same thing happened to you today. So Yeah. It was amazing. That, 
yeah, that's when it starts really being fun, and that, you know, it's just gonna keep keep happening. And I think also another thing is when you're when you're put on the spot like that, when you're teaching a class or when you're in a podcast, when you're when the spotlight is on you, and you for some reason in those moments, like my brain goes to overdrive, and all these ideas, all these connections start to happen that normally wouldn't happen, like when I'm just sitting by myself. You know what I mean? Like because I don't, I think something about that pressure, like forces your brain to like connect those dots even more so i'm glad you experienced it yeah okay so what what can i help you with let's let's dig um, a little deeper well regarding the last sunday service about uh the victim hero villain i was wondering how can we draw a line or how can we differentiate between us victimizing ourselves or being a true victim well everything that happens you know sometimes we are a victim because we're victimized by outside forces right somebody actually did us wrong or some sort of injustice has been done to us right and that happens all the time right like it could be as simple as um i went outside and then i got i I stepped on shit. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Some external factor happens, but I think victimizing ourselves is the consequences of what, how we react to it. So, you know, when, when I say don't stay a victim and, and um, you know, you got, we got to evolve and become a hero, what I'm saying is every day things are going to happen to us. Every day people are going to talk shit about us. Every day something's going to happen. And it's up to us whether we choose, okay, I'm a victim because of that. Or, you know, like, and a good example I gave is like, you know, like in the, in the U.S., at least in the U.S., you know, the hardest for males, like Asians are like the hardest to date. Because, it, you know, like Tinder did this, um, I don't know if it was Tinder, but this, this research group did this study of all the dating apps. And they looked at what percentage of women pick like what type of men, right? And then they, they had all the different races. They had the white, black, Latino, or and Asians were the lowest. So they Asians get Asian males get picked the lowest. And then for females, Asian females actually get picked the highest. <laughs> and then number two was white women. Okay. For for males, I think it was um I think it was white males and then Latino and then black and then Asian. So, so what's going on is like most of the guys want to date Asian girls, right? And most of the girls want to date Asian guys, I mean, white guys, right? Including the Asian girls. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> so, because, so, so that's, so for, for, um, for Asian males, like statistically, it's harder for us to date, right? Now, okay, that happened. It's nobody's fault. Right, I can be a victim, and I can be like, "Fuck this life!" Like this, this sucks, and well, I can turn against like, "Fuck this woman," and like, I can do that, and I can victimize myself, or I can be like, "Okay, that's the case. Now what? Now, now what am I gonna do?" Right? Like, then I can figure out, okay, why? Why is it that Asian males are not dateable, and why? Why? And what? How can I overcome that? Well, what? You know what I mean? And it's the same thing in exactly. business, right? Yeah. Yeah, like just so the, that, the thing yeah. you said right now triggered 
a story that I've been telling myself or that I have, yeah, that I told myself for quite some time, which is um, I am a Muslim girl or a lady uh, who wants to have a space in the you know, social community, international community. And I find myself that maybe I don't have the chance because of, you know, this is how I look or this is my ethnic background or religious background or whatever. So for so long, I've had this thing in my mind. But yeah. then I said, so... You're victimizing yourself. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and it, it doesn't mean it's untrue right it, it can be true that it's more difficult you know like from your culture and from your point of view yeah it, like if you are some you know white lady in, from upper east side who you know who who is in the upper east, middle class woman then maybe it's easier maybe it will be easier for you to you know you know get attention and get grow your social media and things like that for me too it'll probably uh, i wish i was a white lady it'll probably be easier for me but that's those are not the cards that we were dealt and we gotta play the best best with the cards that we're dealt and i guess that's what i mean by we shouldn't victimize ourselves and the same narrative that you were saying that's the story of my life like i've and, and i think a lot of actually uh other Asian people in the U.S. feel that way, where we walk into a meeting. Like, I don't know if you saw that movie, Big Short, but it's the one about the, like, in 2008 crisis, banking crisis. And there's a scene where uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling, who's, like, this, you know, investment guy, investment banker guy, he goes in and he's pitching, like, his, uh, his thing to um, a group of uh, hedge fund managers. And and they're like, how can we trust you? Like, you, you, you know, who, who's your math? Like, like who's your math guy? And he's like, you see this? And, and he points to the Asian guy. He's like, that's my math guy. Like, <laughs> look at him. Like, look at his glasses, right? Like, he's, he won the math. He was, he was like the number one in math league and blah, 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 right? Like, mm -hmm. that's the stereotype box that we're put in, right? Like, we're the quiet yeah. Asian, quiet Asian guy who's good at math, who's just going to run the numbers. And we're not, we're not deal makers. We're not leaders. We're not, that's how every meeting that I've ever went into, that's how, that's the box that I'm put in, right? Now I can say, oh, like, woe is me. That sucks. And I, I'm never going to succeed in this country. Or I can be like, okay, what, what, what can I do to, to, what can I do differently? What, okay. Yes, that's the case. Now what? Right. <laughs> Something like yeah, that. But, but I've been down that. I've been down that uh, rabbit hole, like that kind of downward spiral before, where I was like that, you know, that that emo, like goth kid that's like me, like Eminem, right? It's me against the world. I hate everyone, like resentment. And it's like, you know, fuck this, fuck the world. Like I've been like an angry teenager or something like that, right? So I've been down that road before. And the only thing that's going to bring is resentment, darkness, depression. Like it's just... All that's going to bring is misery and nothing else. And you're just going to hate the world more and more and more. Every person that you meet is, you're going to think that they're judging you. And a lot, most of that, I think it's in our head, you know? Yeah. Especially these days. Yeah. So 
the thing is, um, or like the question is, how would you like raise self awareness um, about whether you are the victim or the villain, or how to stop going down this rabbit hole of you know having this um, negative self talk? Because sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes you can't do it on your own. Well, I actually, you brought up a good point is the more you try to figure it out yourself, the worse it's going to get for me. Like whenever I'm in that place, okay. You know, like COVID was really like, um, COVID was like a big test for me because you know, when I'm stuck at home alone <laughs> and trying to figure out all the problem on my own and do everything on my own, plan everything on my own and things like that, that's when I start actually comparing myself to others. That's when I'm like, like maybe I can't, like, I, I'm in those thoughts whenever I'm, in, I'm alone. But then as soon as I take action, like you did today, you went and taught a class, you're, you're coming on this podcast, go to a small group meeting. You know, and, and you, as soon as you start taking action and start doing stuff and start talking to people, because like a lot of the actions that you take, it's going to involve other people, right? And when we start doing that is when I, when I actually don't think about that. I feel like somebody said the other day, like the happiest people are not, um, they're busy living their life. They're, that they're not they're not wasting time thinking about their life because they're just busy living their life, something like that. And I think that's so true in this kind of case where you know it's kind of like when you know when I'm alone and yeah yeah I don't know how how else to, like it's it's whenever I'm alone in my own thoughts is when I go to that dark place. And then as soon as I go out and have, you know go to dinner with friends or go go talk to people or go on a a, a some sort of a community and talk to people or I'm teaching something. I don't have that. So what if you don't have this community? Of course, I'm grateful that I have this community in yeah. Okay. But what if, I mean, then I see you're, you're, you're going into that victim mentality again. <laughs> like, Oh, I don't have this community. I'm a victim, right? Like, like everything is within your control. There's meetup.com. There's other Facebook groups you can join. There's there's communities everywhere. And it, it can be, for me, it's like, here's the thing, right? Actually, you remind me of this time. You know, um, a few years ago, we had an office uh, in New York where it was like a duplex. So it was two, two floors. And uh, first floor is our office. And second floor was where we lived. And during that I'll, I'll, we, we were there for like a couple of years. And during that time, I've literally never left the building. <laughs> like sometimes I would go like an entire week without leaving that, leaving that building. And I, I really like, I almost went into depression during that time. And such a simple thing of me just going to the store and, and saying hi to the person <laughs> that's working there, that little simple human interaction, like completely like made a big big difference or just going to the gym or something like that. So that really made a difference. I, and and I, I think it's because like once you start interacting with people, 
you you realize all of those thoughts are just in your head and you don't even have the moment to overthink about those kind of things do you know what i mean okay so if i wanted to reframe what you just said it's just is that we are responsible for um how i just forgot <laughs> we are responsible for looking for this community or creating this community or uh reaching out to people to we are responsible help. for every little thing that happens in our lives <laughs> mm -hmm. so you can either take full 100% extreme ownership of your life. Or you can say, oh, I can't because of this. I can't. Be. So once I start giving excuses and start blaming other things, that means basically what I'm telling myself is that I'm not in control of my life. Do you understand what I mean? It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you uh, read that book. I, I never read it too, but you know, uh, I think it's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. This guy was in the Holocaust. He was a Holocaust prisoner. And, you know, one of the things he's, he talks about is how there are people there that just gave up. They're like, oh, this, like, this is what happened. And then those are usually the first to die. And then the ones that survived, because uh, he's a survivor, one, the, the, one of the uh, traits of the people that he sees survive had something to live for. Right, so it can be it can be as simple as oh, I I need to take care of the the sick people around here. It could be it could be as simple as a guy. I I need to reunite with my wife when I get out. Right, looking forward to that. That that little bit of hope is what keeps them going. Them going, and it's kind of it's also kind of like what uh, what's his name um, Eckhart Tolle talks about like when you're like being present. Like yeah, let's say you have all these bills to pay, right? And I, I don't have money to pay those bills, right? That's, it's one thing. Um, one thing it's like, okay, I can let, I can worry about that all I want, right? But worrying about it doesn't pay the bills. It doesn't, it literally does nothing. <laughs> it doesn't help you in any way, right? Like, yes, you have to pay the bill, but you don't have to worry about it, right? Like what you have to do is like, okay, in order for me to pay the bill, what do I need to do? Okay, what's the course of action? Like, okay, and then you can do whatever it is to take yourself out of the hole. But just sitting there and be like, oh, I'm so worried about this bill. Whatever. I, there's nothing I can do. Like, that's not going to do any good for you, right? That, like, there's a difference between... Uh, uh, I have a question. Yeah. Because you just said, like, you don't have to worry, okay? But... Because I've met some people in my life, like it's in it's in their genes. It's it's to not part worry. of their no to worry a lot. Oh yeah yeah yeah, and then there are okay. people who it's, it's in their genes to not worry. <laughs> there there's both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, because uh, like I'm talking about personality now. Uh, cause I, like, I once watched a video about how our behaviors are changed and some of them are related to our genes and other are related to the environment we were raised in. And that made me think, so what if, like, this is 
part of my personality. Would it be hard to change it? Or like, do I still have to make the decision? Well, yeah, first of all, we don't know. I think it's going to be easier for some and harder for others. Do you know what I, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, that's always going to be the case. But that, that again, you're, you're going back to this uh, victim mentality again, right? Yeah, uh, because not, I was yeah, born this way. You do understand what I mean? Like, I was just saying that I was trying so, to Okay, let's, let's talk about that first. There's nature yeah, versus okay. nurture. The first part of that question is nature versus nurture. Like, are we born with it? Or is it something, is it like our environment, the way we grew up, right? And for me, I actually think a lot of the things is our environment. Like, obviously, some people are born, like, some people are, have, actually have, you know, like, clinical depression. But uh, I, most of the times, like 90% of the time when I meet people and they say I'm depressed, blah, 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 usually it's not depression. It's, it's usually because like you just need to wake up early, go to the gym, go, go, meet, go hang out with people and just like do some basic things in your life. And, and it's, it's just that you have a fucked up life. It's not, it's not that you're, you have clinical depression, right? So most of the time it's like that. And, you know, I blame my parents. Like I have this impulsive personality. I, I'm very, I have, I have a, I have, I have a, you know, I have a temper and I'm very emotional and I always blame my, my dad for that because like I, I used to get beat up like every week, like by my dad growing up, but yeah, I mean, but I, it, I, you have to change it. And I think it's, it's, it's up to us to change that story. You know, like one thing I learned in Baptist yoga is that all of those things that we, the stories that we tell ourselves, like, oh, uh, I'm just, a, I'm an immigrant. I can't speak English. I'm a weirdo. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Whatever, all those stories that we tell ourselves. Like once we really look at the truth and we start seeing, like we start saying it out loud, we start to re realize the absurdity of it. Like we start to see, how absurd it is that we think that way and almost it's it's almost like when you keep doing that it, it loses its power it loses like all those stories that we tell ourselves that does that make sense at all um yeah well i have a story right now that when you're just speaking like when you're um um saying this that came to my mind where i feel that i'm like the victim and the villain at the same time. So the story that I have is um, my parents have dedicated everything to us. And um, of course they didn't have a luxury life, but they did their best to provide everything for us. Um, but how, like, however, when they reached the age of retirement, Somehow they were expecting to receive something in return, like more attention, more care. Uh, we dedicated our lives for you. Um, however, we feel that we are at the bottom of the list. Okay. So this created something inside me, like, um, 
I like I said to myself, okay, I need to create my own life apart from my children's life, so that when I grow older, I won't be, you know, doing this to my children. However, when I did the, this, when I started to have to create my business or my life or whatever, I started to feel selfish. Okay. So like the victim part was that I felt that my parents, yes, they did a lot of good things, but, um, you know, I don't know how to like to phrase it, but I think they, I, it's, it's very hard to describe this, but how can I say it? Well, the victim part would be that I felt that I, yeah, that I owe them and I should not owe them for the things that they should have mm. done naturally. Like this is how parents, you know, operate in life. Okay. And mm -hmm. they shouldn't mm. be expecting something that I can't do. So that's when I made the decision. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be, I don't want to, I would not want my children to feel that they're victims. Depend on your. <laughs> yeah. So I started yeah. focusing more on my job and then I felt the villain because I felt that I'm not doing my full responsibilities as a mother and being selfish mm -hmm. somehow. So, like, I still, like, sometimes it's hard for me sure. to. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard for me to say because I'm not a, I'm not a parent, right? So I'm sure, like, when I'm a parent, maybe I'll feel differently or something like that. But mm -hmm. overall, what I do see a lot is, you know, a lot of, I do see a lot of that victim mentality in families where, you know, like a lot of the people that I talk to that ha that say, oh, you know, I feel like there's something missing in my life. I feel like um, something's not right or something like that are usually like mothers who's, who's put their entire kind of meaning of their life to their, to, to raising their children. Right. Cause when they're, when they're young, basically, you know, your whole life is, you know, like they're dependent on you, right? And then once they get into their teenagers and they get older and they they start to see that their kids have their own friends, they have their own life, they, they don't really need you anymore, right? That's when they start to feel like, oh, like I'm not needed anymore. And I, and, and I think that comes from like, not necessarily a victim. Yeah, I guess you can, you can say, oh, I'm a victim because like, <laughs> You know, like my parents, my kids don't love me anymore or something like that. You can say that. But I, I actually think that comes from trying to control others. Like, and it, it, it can be, it's so easy to, I guess, fall in that trap of like trying to control your kids. But um, there's, I think there's a little bit of that. And then 
I don't know. In terms of like, I, I I'm not a parent, so I can't really speak for that. Like how, you know, me. Let me think. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of, from the point of view of somebody that I really care for, and yeah, it's it's hard for me to relate because um, I'm the type of person that that you know, like I will be there for you, hundred percent, when you need me, but I'm not gonna impose myself. <laughs> on that person right and i also see that a lot of mothers do this where they feel guilty it's it's almost like i guess it's, it has to do with what i said about the bill like not paying the bill versus like worrying about it like i see a lot of pe- parents do this uh, i feel guilty that i'm at work and i should be spending time with my kids or spending time with my family and then they're on vacation with their family and they feel guilty they're not working. So it's like they're here and they're worried about this and they're here and they're worried about that. Like, you know what I mean? So it's, totally. it's almost like um, that's like you worrying about your bills <laughs> when that literally does no, no good for you, right? Like you feeling guilty for, for your children literally is not helping you or helping them. Do you understand what I mean? What you can do is when you are spending time with your children, you can give that 100%. You can be present 100% and, you know, be with them 100%. And then when you're at work, you don't have to worry about your kids. Be be there 100%, you know. Like, I, like it's, that, it's my entire life philosophy. Just Yeah, this is something I need to learn. <laughs> it's still a skill that I, like, I haven't mastered yet. But it's difficult. But it's not it's not impossible. Yeah, I don't think anybody mastered it. Unless you're Buddha or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean I try to live life like that. Like for example, right now I have this podcast and right after I have this call that I have to do with this person, which is which is a little bit of conflict, right? And after that, I still need to write my email that I'm supposed to send out today, which I couldn't get to last night. So, yeah, I can sit here and I can worry about that. Or I can just, like, completely forget about that and just 100% be present in, in having this conversation. And I think, for me, you know, when I actually, you know what, I can relate. but Because when I first started my business, Night Owl, that's how I was worried about a million things all the time. Okay, like this client, okay, that uh, how's this project going? Okay, like this client is like, we're late on this project. Okay, like, is there any spelling mistakes in this project? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I was just million, like, I, and I was, and a lot of it was my ego. It, it was like, mm. well, I eventually realized a lot of it is my ego because what, what I'm worried about is, okay, what if this happens and we lose this client? Right or or this client gets mad at me and we lose our reputation and people are like oh night owl they're they're not they're they're a hot mess right like even now at night owl nation the old me would have been like oh night owl is such a hot mess they're not organized they don't have you know clear set agendas and they're just they're just whatever like but that's that's my ego thinking okay what are people gonna think of me. When, you know, what, what are Night Owl Nation members going to think of me? What are these other people going to think of me, right? And and I, I really like, that's why I constantly talk about be a nobody, be a beginner, you know, like be present. All those ego talks that I do, 
it's because I, I really need to put myself like, and that's the underdog thing that I'm, I was talking about, right? Like, yes. I literally look at myself as, okay, everybody hates me already. Everybody already thinks I'm a loser. Everybody thinks I'm a nobody. Okay, when I start from that place, <laughs> like, okay, like I have this conf- like this call after this with this conflict, but uh, if she hates me and she, she thinks I'm a, you know, I'm whatever it is that she thinks, Okay, fine, <laughs> right? And then after that, okay. Oh, if I, 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 to, I promised everyone that I'm gonna send out this email today. And what if I don't get to it and I can't send it out? Everybody's gonna hate me. Okay, fine. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Like you almost have yeah. to give up on yourself. Give. I almost had to give up on myself and give up on my life and give up trying to prove to anyone anything. Do you understand what I mean? I. Yes, of course, because I think, but like, I think it's innate in us to prove ourselves as human beings. So, well, it's innate because it's, it's, we learn to do that. It's it's not innate. I don't think it's innate, right? When a a three-year-old or old baby is not trying to prove themselves. Right, like they—they're literally just doing whatever they want, right? Yeah, but you know, when they like the first time they do things on their own, they like, look, mommy, what did what did it do? You know, so they are. Yeah, so they learn. It's a learned skill, right? Because they got praise. Yeah, the validation is a learned skill. So, like, because we are social animal, we talked about this once. Um. You know, like the reason why we're social animals and we're tribal is because hundreds of thousands of years ago, I mean, I know you're religious, so you might not <laughs> believe the same thing I believe, but hundreds of thousands of years ago, um, you know, we, when, when we evolve, like, you know, like if you believe in evolution, what happens is, you know, the, the ones that try to fit into the tribe, try to get other people to like them they were in a tribe so they their, their survival rate was higher right the ones that are like i don't care what anyone else thinks the ones that were like didn't care about social validation didn't care about what everyone else thinks they were outcasts and they were alone so their chance for survival was much lower so they died off so you know like hundreds of thousands of years of that like more and more we evolved to be more tribal more tribal like trying to trying to get validation from others because like literally if a group of tribe kicks me out of the tribe, that's literally death for me, right? So it's that's why, like, they say the only thing that people fear more than uh, death itself is public speaking. Like, we care more about what other people think of us than death. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? So, so it, I, I think that's naturally in our genes, right? But then, you know, when a baby is born, I don't think they're born thinking that. I think what happens is as soon as that baby smiles, you know how, um, you know that uh, before a baby is two years old, if you don't pay any attention to them, if they're not cared for, like that baby can grow up to be a sociopath. Because one of the, you know, we learn these social skills at a very, very early age. So when a baby is like, ha, 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 laughing, right? And then, like, and, and, the, and the mom is like trying to make them like, hey, goo, goo, ga, 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 and then the, the baby laughs. 
what's happening is the baby is getting validation. Be like, oh, when I when I smile and when I laugh, they they like me and they 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 you know they and they're they're learning how to charm people at that early age, right? Mm. And then, like you mm. said, as they grow up, they're trying to sh- mm. prove to their mom because they want their mom's validation and all of that. But then, you know, it's much 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 less at that age, right? Like a child doesn't care. Like when I was young, I, I would go out and I would like always have like food stain on my shirt. Like I look like a hot mess, you know, and like I didn't care when I was five years old, six years old, right? Like now I would care so much about like what are other people gonna think of me, but that's that's I think that's learned, learned over time. We, we put on this mask over mask and mask, and if, essentially, you know, like it's, it's extreme in high school, right? Like in high school, everybody's trying to be cool. Yes. Nobody wants to be the loser, right? And then. And then you graduate college and even at, even at work, you know, we're doing the same thing. Like, I, I think the workplace, the real world is just a one big, huge high school, right? It's social media is one big popularity contest, right? And Gary Vee is just popular, right? <laughs> Tony Robbins is popular. And then there's ones that are not popular, right? So, mm. and, and, and probably it was probably the same thing. Those, the ones that are popular right now in public space were probably the ones that were popular when they were younger, when in their high school, right? And yeah, I think uh, it is a learned skill uh, over time. And I think for me, I really had to learn how, I really had to unlearn that. And even even now, I, I, care, I care a lot about what other people think. And, and I catch my, like, here's a good example. Two months ago, when I went on Twitter, for, for like when I, first started like really using Twitter, I I was like, okay, I have 500 followers. Like I, I'm getting no engagement, no nothing at all. I'm just going to use Twitter just to put down my thoughts. I don't care about followers. I don't care if people like my posts. I don't give a shit. I'm just going to use it as my notepad, notebook, just to jot down my thoughts. And I started doing that. I would like tweet after tweet after tweet, blah, blah, blah. But over time, like when, when I started gaining followers when people were like praising me oh good content blah 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 blah. all of a sudden i get self-conscious and i'm like now every post that i do i'm trying to like oh is this gonna get re- uh, are people gonna like this mm-hmm. and like if i back then i would like just post 10 in a row like do, 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 do. like whatever thought comes out i'll just post it but now i'm like oh no if i, I just post it so if i post another one then it's not gonna get traction it's not gonna get um views so i'm gonna wait three hours before i post like it's I am constantly dealing with that right now. So then I have to now, every time those happens, I have to catch myself and I have to be like, no, no, I, I have to remind myself, I have to remind myself, no, I'm just using Twitter as a notebook. It's not, I don't care about followers. Like I can't, every single day I need to constantly remind myself. Like when I show up on Sunday service, like, ah, oh, whenever I try to impress people and blah, 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 oh, no, 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 I, I just need to be present. The only thing I care about is making sure that these people learn. And be present with them. Like I constantly, constantly, every single day, ten times a day, twenty times a day, I have to remind myself of that. So I think that does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, so <laughs> it doesn't come natural to me. <laughs> like, yeah, because I think many of like startups and like people who are starting to post on social media have the same problem, including myself, because. Um, every time I post anything and I don't get 
any responses, no likes, no comments, nothing. I perceive this as a message of, you know, your work is not good enough or your videos are not good enough or your posts are not good enough or the content is not good enough. So I think this is something that many people have that when they post something. I actually think you're... Can I correct you on that? I don't think people yeah. think that my post is not good enough. My content is good enough. What they think is I'm not good enough. That's where the problem comes. If you can separate yourself from the content, yeah. If the content is not good enough, fine. As long as I'm not good enough, I, I am good enough, right? Because what yeah, people do is, is the when problem. the content fails. You... Because sometimes. <laughs> so you, you need to detach yourself your from the content. content. And I guess. Is, yeah, like that your content is a representation <laughs> of who you are. Yes. So sometimes it's, they kind of yeah. like. That's, that's your ego. Exactly. <laughs> that's your ego speaking. Like, you know, the reason why I know is because, you know, I've been a designer for 20 years, right? So when I design something and I spend like a week designing something and I present it to the client and the client starts ripping it apart, it's like, nah, 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 nah this sucks, this is bad. Like once I start getting criticism about that design, it personally hurts me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it personally hurts me to a point that I start getting defensive about it. Like, no, you don't understand. Like I did it like this before. It even gets to a point where I get so defensive that even when the client is saying the right thing, like they're like, oh, no, that's too small to read. So I, you, can you make that bigger? Because I can't really read that. And he's right because, yeah, maybe like a 50-year-old is reading that and it's too small so they can't really see, right? But my, it's, it's hurt my ego, right? It's like, oh, he's, he's criticizing my work. He's, therefore, he's criticizing me. My, my skill as a designer, right? So I end up ignoring even the correct comments, the correct feedback, right? So I had to learn yeah. at a certain point, and I think all designers have to learn this at some point. I had to detach myself from the work. And Do you have a once process? I finished my work, I literally had to... Now, now I, I guess it kind of happens naturally, but like I, what I have to do is I, I've, I've learned to put on two different hats. So I have a designer hat on and I have a project manager hat on, right? So when I have my project management hat on, it's almost like I'm taking off this ego, but I'm putting on another ego. <laughs> and I think in the beginning, you kind of have to do that. You have to play with your ego a little bit because what happens is when I have the project manager hat on and that mask on and that ego, mm -hmm. that ego wants to please the client. Do you understand what I mean? That ego doesn't care about this guy's design. It's almost like at that point, it's almost like I'm presenting somebody else's design. And when the cl client starts criticizing the design, I'm like, oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, how stupid was I to do that? <laughs> do you understand what I mean? Okay, I have another but question. But then like that, that started to help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, because I think like while you're speaking while you're speaking right now, I think many people are going to have this question in their head. So I have like let's say that okay. I have this hat of a content creator. 
okay? So I put this hat mm -hmm. of content creator. Then I put out my content and as I receive feedback on the content, what hat should I be putting? The nobody so hat? So when you're a content creator, I think, it, yeah, so in, in my hat, like there's two types of two types of content creator or even within content creation, there's two jobs, two roles, right? One is the entrepreneur side of content creation. And the other one is the creative side of content creation. Okay. And so the entrepreneur side is like Gary V. Okay. The creative side is more like Chris Doe or Mr. Beast or somebody like that. Who's really like proud of their work. Right now, a lot of times when we create, con most of us, when we create, con like if you create content like Gary Vee, you don't even have to worry about it, right? Because like one of the things he says, like pe when people go to him and be like, oh, but I can't, I can't sacrifice quality. Like, uh, and he goes like, who determines that quality? Who, who says, who says that's, who says quality? You, like you, de you decide what the quality is? No, like what the audience says is quality. If, the, if it performs and everyone likes it, that means it's quality. Right, that that's a very logical business mind way of thinking. That right, mm -hmm. so it, it's almost like that's the Gary V style of content creation, right? So he doesn't care that he's showing up on Zoom with a with a terrible camera, terrible audio. He doesn't. He really doesn't give a shit, right? Like he, yes. as long as as long as the only thing he cares about is like one of the things he says, like the market doesn't give a shit about your feelings, right? Like so, to him, he doesn't he doesn't treat content creation as like creative task. He treats it as like, it's a, it's a numbers game. Do you understand mm -hmm. what I mean? And then, so the, even in marketing, there's that, there's the, the numbers side, right? There's the analytics people that all they do is look at analytics. Okay. That perform AB testing and blah, 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 those type of people. They don't give a shit about the creative, right? Like what worked? That's all. That's the only thing they care about. And then over here, there, the, there's the creative side, the artist side. That's like, okay, that's where the ego comes in. And you, I think you, you kind of need a balance of both things. So I think when you're creating, you have to have the creative hat on where it's like, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to try to wear this like this, make it look like this and all of that. And then you put it out. And then now you need to head on the analytics person. Head on, right? And then do that. Mm -hmm. And then you, maybe you have to go back and look at, okay, that did, that didn't perform because of this reason or whatever it is. But at that point, like when, when my videos fail, when my content fails now, it's, I've gotten so used to like, you know what? I actually think it's a, it's the reps of like the first time you go to the gym, you're going to be in pain, right? The second time you're going to be in pain, you're going to be in pain for a while. It's going to suck for a while. And then you do it long enough at some point, like it becomes pain. Like it, it's, you become numb to that pain. Right. And it's, this is the same for almost anything, right? Anything in life. So I've been making content for so long that I've become so numb to it. Like nothing that anybody says phases me anymore <laughs> because I've heard it all. <laughs> and, I, and like when, when a good content fails, it really doesn't really bother me anymore. I just look at it as an, uh, immediately where my mind goes is like, that probably failed because of this, this, and this. And I don't, I don't associate that with, oh, uh, that probably failed because I did that, that, that. Like, no. Mm. It's mm. it's once the content is put out there, it's it's not even my it's not even me anymore. <laughs> mm. You know what? Uh something you said that 
that's really amazing and I loved it so much is that when you said, I've been there so many times and this, you know, <laughs> um, down in the rut. Okay. So like this gives someone like me hope that knowing that when I'm down, definitely I'm going to go up and I'm, when I'm like up here, I'm definitely going to go down again and it's okay. Cause most of the time I would think, mm -hmm. mm, you know, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe it's just, um, and this makes me quit or not finish to the end or not push through, you know? Yeah. I mean, you just, I think you have to look at how I was when I first started putting content and then even now, uh, you see the reason why, so right now in Twitter, I'm getting some of that trigger back from like three years ago when I first started Instagram, mm. I had all this trigger, right? <laughs> like, and now I'm getting some of that back, right? Because like now, you know, like it's so hard for me to get one follower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like nobody knows who I am on Twitter. No, you know, like people are just probably dismissing me. Like, who the fuck is this guy? You know, like I, and it literally makes me feel like a loser, right? <laughs> it like it it literally makes me feel like, am I really like, am I just seeing everything that everyone else seeing? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But then, but then once in a while, you know, you get that validation of like, you know, things like that, and that makes that helps and things like that. But I think yeah. the reason why I'm able to do that on Twitter right now, it doesn't phase me. I'm putting out five, 10 tweets every day and it doesn't phase me, even though I'm not seeing that validation is because it's a familiar feeling that I went through three years ago with Instagram, exactly. right? And the reason why when I went through Instagram, it was a little bit easier for me than it is for most people is because it's a familiar feeling when I went through when I, building, when I was building Night Owl. Because... In the beginning of the night out, literally, everybody around me was questioning me. Like, Gigi's parents were like, why don't you guys just quit and just go get a job, right? So think about this, right? Think about me hearing from my mother-in-law telling my wife, like, hey, you guys, are, you guys are struggling for two years. Why don't you go get a job, right? They're worried about us. And then, my, my, and then Gigi coming to tell me, they're like... Hey, this is what my mom thinks. Blah blah blah. Right? Like, just think about the, think about like how how heartbreaking that is for me to hear. When we're making no money, it it seems like there's no, you know, and and then, but that was a, but the reason why I was able to say to Gigi, but like, you know, we'll be we'll be okay. Like, we're gonna we're gonna make it. Blah blah blah. Is because that's exactly what happened when I started freelancing. <laughs> like, it's they say it's darkest before dawn. It really is the darkest before dawn. I was literally about to quit freelancing and go get a job when things started happening for me. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's definitely not easy. It, and another thing I want to say is this. You know, sometimes, you know, because I've met a lot of people that are, like, very successful, right? And not just publicly, but also maybe just in their business and things like that. And you know how they say, never meet your heroes? <laughs> Have you heard that term before? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, 
whoever you really admire, when you actually meet them in person, you're like, you're, you're not really impressed, right? And, and because almost everybody that I met, they were, I, not almost, 100% of people that I met, that I was like, oh, this person is definitely different than me, right? Mm -hmm. This person is special. They got something in their genes or something in their uh, blood. That's why they're like that. And I will never be like that, right? Every person I've met who are wildly successful, what I realized is like, oh, you're just a human being like me. You worry about the same thing I worry about. Like, do you understand what I mean? We think that it comes easy for them, right? It's because we don't see what goes in the background. Like, if... Here's a here's what a lot of people don't see. They people see like Gary V or somebody like that, or or me, or even like, um, you know, even like somebody super famous, and like Kanye West, for example, right? What they don't see is that you know I heard that when Kanye West works, he literally doesn't sleep. Like he'll work for like three days in a row, and then like he'll just sleep in the chair for a little bit, and then if somebody like like is like. You don't see the blood, blood and sweat and the the misery that they're going through in the behind the scenes. The only thing you see is the success. Yes. So, so what a lot of people assume is that oh, it came easy for them. Oh, yeah, it, it works. It works because of him. Like, of course, it, it's he, he. He's that type of person. She's that type of person. What they don't see is the the amount of hardship and misery that they're going through behind the scene if you actually saw that you'd be like oh fuck yeah i'm not doing any of that yes. <laughs> right <laughs> like it, it's kind of like um you know I, I had this employee who who saw what we were doing at night out and they're like oh I'm, I, I can do this i can go start my own agency blah, blah, blah. so he quit and he did and within a year he 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 gave up and he he came asking me for clients and things like that, right? It's because he doesn't see what goes around. He doesn't he doesn't realize what's going on in the background. That you know, if we're having cash flow problems, that we have to go to the bank and we have to take out a loan so that we can pay, make payroll. And that we're, literally every month that we have a hundred thousand dollar a month expense. So and every month, like I'm I'm literally staying up at night because I'm so worried. Like, are we going to be able to meet payroll this month? Like, okay, okay, are, are, am I going to be able to get paid from that client? Like, like one time I like went to the bank because we had I had to like I we literally had no money in the bank and I had to like go beg a client to to give us a check and then I, like i got the check while i was there i went straight to the bank and the bank wouldn't let us deposit it because like for some reason and i started yelling at the banker and the banker like threatened to call the client and it was like so much drama like the the and and the, this is all while i was sleeping like eight i was working 18 20 hours a week like barely sleeping at all and these are the shit that people don't see do you understand what I mean? Mm, yeah. So a lot of people think they're like, oh, oh, son's just smart. That's why he got no. <laughs> yeah, if you if you realize the shit that I had to go through <laughs> to get to where I am, it's 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 I have another know, it's, question. It's not pretty, but we all have, have to go question. through that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just one yeah. one final question. Mm -hmm. Uh do you usually take the advice to we can, we can keep going. <laughs> Okay, like, do you usually take the advice of uh, prioritizing sleep, uh, working out, 
uh, eating healthy, uh, having a morning routine, because sometimes, to be honest, I feel that it's not applicable all the time. Because I've seen many people, I don't want to call names, okay, but many very well-known people mm-hmm. who would go and lecture people about how to healthily live their lives. And um, sometimes it's a bit difficult to to reach this, you know, very organized life with, you know, when you work, when you wake up uh 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, work out, meditate, journal, then go to work, and then sleep early. And because when I listen to this, because I I was there, I think that's like um, and it was very difficult for me to keep up. Then I quit, and I hated myself for quitting. And I said because they said successful people do this, and I don't do this. So I'm I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. You know, the other day somebody said, um, "You know, entrepreneurship and fitness are are linked, right? Like people who are who are successful entrepreneurs are they're fit, right? And we like to believe that because you see Joe Rogan with his like ice bath, and you know you see all these entrepreneurs that are like super fit, and they're all they're they wake up." early they go to the gym they meditate do all of that well i'll debunk that right now look at the three most successful entrepreneurs in the world bill gates warren buffett and elon musk are they fit (laughs) (laughs) right like they're not fit at all right they're not they're not doing the ice baths like i just think it's uh I, i think everyone's built differently right for me, I actually, I think sleep is important. For me, what I realized is that when I was working like that, what I what I realized is that I was actually putting energy in wrong places. So I was like wasting a lot of time. So I, I wasn't working efficiently. I was working hard, but I wasn't working efficiently, right? So I had to learn how to balance that because, you know, I did that for like 10 years. And then somebody told me that it really um hit me when somebody said, how you work now is how you're going to work 10 years from now. And that really hit me because 10 years ago, I was like, oh, I'm going to kill myself right now so that 10 years from now, I don't have to do that anymore. But 10 years from now, I was still doing that. (laughs) Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I just need to take note of this one. Okay. It's recording, so. Okay. (laughs) So what happened was 10 years ago, uh, uh, 10 years before that, what I was doing was I was working my ass off mm-hmm. just to pay my rent. Okay. Mm. 10 years later, I was working my ass off so that I can pay for my $100,000 a month expense. <laughs> mm. do, you, do you get it? Yeah. So the, how you work doesn't change. Maybe the amount that <laughs> changes, but how you work is not going to change. Right. Mm. And that's when I started like kind of like, I started having a little bit more balance. Like I sleep, I think sleep is something that's so important because like when I'm not sleeping, it just makes, I'm so unproductive. I waste so much time and, um, you know, like, especially the type of work that we do, like Mm. I can do the same thing in one hour, like, especially like coming up with stories and creative work, right. Design, things like that. 
something can take me five hours if I'm not in the right mood, but I could get it done in an hour if I'm like in the flow state and I'm in the zone, mm. right? Mm. And mm. and sleep does get in the way of that, like you know. So mm. I did learn that. Another thing I learned, I guess, over time is. You know, when, when people are, st- the biggest mistake that I see in the newer entrepreneurs, which I, I did for probably about 10 years, <laughs> is that we do something where like, okay, this is our strategy. And then I go watch this YouTube <laughs> video where somebody's like, no, you got to do ice bath and blah, blah, blah. Or somebody says, no, you got to make content like this. No, you got to use, hook. here's the new strategy. Here's the new algorithm. And then I'm like, oh, shit, no, I got to do this. And I, <laughs> I do this. And then I see some new strategy. I'm like, no, I got to do this. And then I, I read this new self-help book. It's like, no, I got. And what happens is you can never, ever grow something like that. You know what I mean? A lot of times, like, the one of the most, like, imp- like one quote that really hit me was, it, it was actually from uh, that show, The Crown. It was about Queen Elizabeth. He said, "More most of the time, the best course of action is to do nothing. And this is what most new entrepreneurs don't understand. When a problem happens, immediately they're trying to fix it, right? But nine out of the ten times, you just have to let the problem happen. Because there's a difference between me having a bad day and this business, like me having a wrong strategy, right? Like we let our emotions decide those little moments so much that, you know, I might have a stressful day where none of my content works. Somebody was talking shit about my content. I'm like, oh, this isn't working. We have to change the whole strategy, right? Like the other day, I almost did that. I was on, on, on a small group leader meeting and I'm like, I'm actually thinking about, you know, what I'm thinking about doing is I'm thinking about just getting rid of Sunday service and do more like, you know, uh, teach more like business skills, like content creation skills, making carousels and blah 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 and then everybody in the small group leader is like no son like i love coming to, you know what i mean so it's yes. like we let these like emotion like we feel like something's not working and we feel like we need to change it right away and then i change it and then you change it again and change it again change it again and that's why the business is not growing when what you have to do is okay it's not working but you have to keep keep at it okay there's a there's going to be some days where you have problems but you just got to keep at it you keep at it long enough that's when momentum is built right that's why like you know like even on my tiktok right like why am i still posting on tiktok every day two three times a day even though it's getting 100 views 200 views right like we have to build momentum and then the other day like one video got like sixty thousand views right but if i had if i had given up that would have never happened right and the same thing on YouTube, same thing on Instagram, same thing on Twitter. Now my Twitter is starting to grow and it's starting to get recognition. Mm. But in that first month and a half, if I was like, ah, oh, this is not working, I need to change my strategy, it wouldn't have worked. It, what what, what would have happened is my account would have just become like every other account where it's like, okay, here, here's how I got, I, I had zero to 100,000 followers on Instagram by using these tactics. Here's how I did it. Click. And then <laughs> tricked them into opening it. Like, that's what everyone does. And I would have just followed that exact same thing. Right. But, but there's, that's the thing. Like, we just need, we need to set a strategy that works for us based on my personality, my experience and my everything. I think this is the right way to go. Once you've logically made that decision, 
you just got to stick with it for months, maybe even a year, whether it's working or not, <laughs> right? Not like one week you have a bad week and you're like, okay, we need to change shift directions, right? Like for you, I've already said, like, it's so obvious to me, your strength is the phonetics, like the, the technical parts of language pronunciation, right? Like, mm -hmm. Not necessarily like building communities or something like that, but like the technical, because you actually have an interest in how your, your mouth moves and how it makes sounds and things like that, which mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen before a lot with other language teachers. So then you got to double down on that. And, whether, and you can't say, oh, that's not working until six months later. You literally have to do that every day for six months. And then if six months later, it doesn't, it's nothing is happening, then maybe you can look at the situation, okay, what's going on? And you can tweak it a little bit or something like that. But you can't be like, okay, that's not working. I'm going to go with this whole new strategy. Something like mm. that. Mm. Yeah. I can totally relate to this. Anything? Like sometimes the problem is that you... Um, like you listen to advice based on like that the person who is saying this is an authority or is supposed to be the, you know, the guru, as they say, in this field. So you trust what they say. And then when you try it for yourself, you discover that it doesn't work. So you instantly say it doesn't work because of me, not because of them. And... I'm so grateful that I came across you because you changed many things of, you know, things that, things that's been there inside my head and they were completely untrue. Yeah. You know, like if I try to do this, like Crystal, it wouldn't work. If I try to do it like Gary Vee, it wouldn't work. If I try to do it like Seth Godin, it wouldn't work. If I try to do it like this, there are so many people that I admire. But if I try to do it like them, it wouldn't work because I don't have their personality. Mm. Like that works for like that, that method of sales. Like, you know, like if you watch Christo's videos, he does negotiations like, okay, so like how much, like, like what prob what, what is the problem that you have and how much is that problem costing you? And if I said, I, I can solve that for you, how much would you be willing to pay me? All of the, Yeah, logically, all of that makes sense. The reason why I won't be able to do that is because I can't stay calm like him and, and do this like wise man act. Like I, am, I wear my heart on my sleeves, right? So everybody can tell when I'm lying. Everybody can tell when I'm being fake. <laughs> Everyone can tell. Therefore, when I try to like go off of the sales script, People are going to be like, shut the fuck up, son. <laughs> like, <laughs> who, who are you trying to fool? Like, it's not going to work for me, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to work for some people out there who's logical, like Christo. But it mm -hmm. doesn't work for, like, impulsive, emotional people like me, right? At the same time, I sell purely on emotions, right? Like, when I go into a meeting and I'm selling, <laughs> people believe me <laughs> mm. because I'm convicted about what, what I do, right? But then if somebody like Christo or somebody like uh, who's not as convicted, who's, who doesn't have that, try to do what I do, they're just going to be like, look at this guy trying to hype me up, trying to motivate me. Like, it's not, it's not going to work because that's not their style. So, you know, some of the most successful people that I know 
actually don't follow social media, don't know who Tony Robbins is. <laughs> they don't know Gary Vee. Like, like a, a really successful person that I know, he's like a, in real estate in New York. And he, what he did was he started a company where he, in, in normal real estate agency, what happens is the agency, the brokerage firm takes 50% commission and the agent takes 50%, com- they split the commission, right? But then the brokerage like, like is you know paying for the ads and they're bringing them you know they're they're under this brokerage right so it's almost kind of like an employee but 50 50 right he's like no what he did was he's like he realized that there are some hotshot real estate agents out there who doesn't want to give up 50 percent of their commission because they can find their own leads they can find their own customers they can they're so good at sales that they just want to keep 100 percent of their commission so what he did was he created an agency where they just pay him $500 a month flat and they get to keep 100% of their commission. And he found like a thousand agents like that. So that's half a million dollars a month, right? This guy thinks so outside the box because he's not looking at other influencers and what they're doing. Like this guy's such a, so weird and so different, but he makes a lot of money. Like another thing, it, another thing he did was he, he did an Airbnb. He was like, oh, that's cool. And then he, he started like buying a few different apartments to the Airbnb. And eventually he went to investors and he got them, he got them to buy an entire building. Now he's turning the entire building into an Airbnb only hotel. Like, the, like I, I think the best way to run a business is like that, where you don't listen to anyone else. You just try things for yourself and see what works, see what doesn't work, and see what works for you, see what doesn't work for you, and then lean into those, make little tweaks and just let that pave the way rather than somebody's like, no, you got to do it this way, and then now you set a vision, and then you try to go there when it's not working and you're trying to force it, right? <laughs> for me, I'm actually the happiest. You know what? I'll tell you this. You know when I'm in the when I'm the happiest, most productive, most... Things are working out well for me. I feel like I'm, I'm having success. You know, those moments are when I'm not watching any YouTube videos, when I'm not going and looking at any Instagram posts, when I'm not listening to any podcasts, right? Because whenever I'm doing those things, I'm trying to get more ideas and more tips and things like that, which doesn't work, right? And, and, which, and, and in return, it makes me feel like I'm a loser. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. But when I ignore all of those things... And I'm just like focus, put my head down and just focus on my work. That's when I feel like everything's going well. Mm. I'll take that advice. <laughs> yeah, and I and also everybody everybody goes through what you're going through. Yeah. Like I I have those moments like every day even now right like i told you the small group leader meeting i was like oh i'm thinking about doing this like i'm thinking about shifting plans like it's just every day i need to constantly remind myself like son son kill your monkey brain like yeah don't don't get so emotional we need the sunday service (laughs) exactly yeah any any more questions it was amazing everything you said um it's truly amazing so yeah me and you we should both work on this we, sh- we got to turn off our youtube turn off our social media <laughs> don't look at other people's <laughs> stop buying books 
Yeah, like to be honest, I think I'm going to like right after this podcast, I'm going to write down a lot of notes, keep it just beside me so that I can see them all the time and to constantly remind myself with everything you just said. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much. I, and I, I should do the same actually. Because every time I go on a retreat and every time I go to do something, sort of workshop, seminar, those temporarily make me feel good at that moment. But in the long run, it just makes me feel miserable. When, mm -hmm. I, when I'm actually, when I have like long-term sustainable joy and growth and happiness is when I'm just doing my own thing and I'm just focused on, on it without all this distraction from gurus and... <laughs> Experts. Experts, yes. Uh. Experts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you so much, son. It was great. Just being so great here. seeing you. So great. I thank mean, uh, for those you, you don't know, when I was in Cairo, uh, like a couple months ago, you know, Marwa took me around and showed us everything. So, you know, I'm also grateful for that and grateful for knowing you. Thank you. Thank Shukran. You, Shukran. Shukran. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Marwa. I'll see you Thank guys you next so. week. And cheers. <laughs>